What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bingetown TV. This is Brian here with Kyle, Kathleen, and Luke. And today we are continuing our Rooks and Vets coverage of Sci-Fi's The Magicians, Season 5. This is going to be Episode 12, entitled The Balls. And we are getting to the end here, guys. Two episodes left. Episode 12, initial thoughts. What do we got? Fan, MVP. Yeah. Finally. Absolutely. I love the way that they can find magic to incorporate them singing as much as humanly possible throughout this series so that was always fun this just felt like a classic heist magicians vibe to me the entire way through i loved the episode not to go straight to spoilers like fan and whatever but the santa claus payout we oh got that payoff was absolutely incredible did you guys see that coming at all when she wrote the s on the piece no. of paper okay no. good Good, good. I'm so glad none of you guys said because it was just. So... I mean, like, how could you possibly? I good. mean, more. What I'm thinking about is that. I mean, I was just thinking we've seen it before. She uses that magic in what episode? With uh, eight, nine, whatever it is. In, yeah, in yeah. the greenhouse. That's more what I was thinking about than who the hell it was going to. Mm-hmm. Ho, 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 motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I guess we can just start talking right about it because throughout this episode, it, everyone's pretty much together except for. Julia and Penny 23 who have their own couple scenes. So we're going to character bucket like that. I'm sure we want to start with those two first. Yeah, we'll crank that out. Yeah. Yeah. They just had so many just like quick hitting scenes. Yeah. Just to get the point across that Penny's mom is just fucked. Right. And I I liked that because I think last episode you were saying that I think you were talking about Penny. I couldn't really talk talking about Penny or Hyman. Um, You didn't know his background. I'm pretty sure you're talking about Penny, right? That, that we don't know much about his his yeah. backstory. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's an amazing little thing. And especially because you could think any any normal person. So Penny's mom, Mrs. Adiodi, I forget her first name, Mina or something. Mila. Mila. Mila was just a normal human who had a baby traveler and didn't know it. And she was in a psych ward anytime she was with anytime she was with Penny. Think about that. Think about all the people in that world, in the magician's world, in psych wars. It it could have something to do with fucking magic. I mean, we know that cancer is inherently magic in the show. There's so many things that it's just like, holy shit. Yeah, I didn't see it go in this way. Like, I knew this was coming, but I remember watching it live for the first time and just having absolutely no expectations of ever getting anything on the background of Penny's parents. And then this just coming out of left field and tying so directly to Julia's storyline. So that was good to see. Um, and then getting some emotional Penny 23 moments is cool, too. It's kind of funny that, like, that's not your son. I know she doesn't really know him that well, yeah. but that's not him. It's that's from another true. world. That is very true. Yeah, it's interesting. Whoa, that's actually, I didn't even think about that. I mean, that's, she doesn't know the difference, so. Yeah, and there's no point explaining the difference, but that's crazy. And I they guess the, also... the magical string doesn't um, care what universe yeah. you're from. They just, all the moms, so all the, everywhere. <laughs> all the moms everywhere what if they brought all the pennies from all of the universes to this one to this one timeline what would happen to her yeah would just she would just be fried all right take us Um, in b times yeah so the first scene we get with penny and julia is in the break bills library and they are just right off the bat arguing about julia wants to go out 
and find Neela Adioti, Penny's mother. And Penny's like, no, like, we don't even know where she is. Like, I don't even want to get into this. And Julia says, well, too bad. I already used a locator spell, found her in Connecticut. Like, we're all ready to go. And Penny's just like, you're just so pregnant. Like, I can't even deal with you right now. Like, it's getting so difficult to argue back. She's like, hormones, dude, enjoy the ride. And she was actually that pregnant in real life at the time. Yeah, can't you tell? That's insane. No offense. Love you. <laughs> Love you, Jewel. Love you, Stella. You're still hot, but there's no hiding that. All right. So eventually the next scene is actually them going to Connecticut and seeing Neela face to face at the hospital. Mental ward, right? Kind of both. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, either way, though, the reveal is she's not a patient, but rather a nurse. Julia is the first one to go in asking to see Neela Adioti, and she actually asks her, not knowing that she is employed by the hospital or whatever. Um, and then we just get this conversation between Julia and Penny, where Julia just informs her that, hey, your mom's like, fine, she's working for the psych ward, not institutionalized. And Penny just kind of has this realization that this entire time he thought his mom was like ruined and an insane person when. In reality, she's been okay this whole time, which is kind of bittersweet because if she was okay, he probably would have wanted to reach out to her. So he's kind of a little bit conflicted. This is a tough episode for Penny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Julia has this line that's like, I won't pretend that I can imagine what this is like for you, but you won't be alone. And I really wish I felt the connection. And I don't. (laughs) I don't feel it at all. Like This is a very emotional part or thing for Penny. And I do not feel it nothing no i think it even makes it worse what like the other half and even other 80 percent of the episode is you know the other part of the episode is kind of goofy whimsical in a way and then just like luke was saying these are such short tiny clips we get that it just falls so flat it kind of sucks it's totally the segregation problem you just don't have enough momentum built up to make you feel bad because they're just so separated and i care about the singing and alice and elliot killing it over there against the couple because we know that's end game like how is it going to turn to this is the b plot of the episode and it clearly showed it's interesting because they i feel like they could have squeezed this in in one scene at the end of last episode maybe because i know julia is very pregnant and my thought is they don't want it's very high movement high everything scenes going on in the other 80% like you said so maybe they're like Stella's pregnant let's kind of separate them sorry Penny you don't get to be in the musical part of the episode you know do you think they were like bummed out that they didn't get to be in the fun episode I was just about to say it's uh what's his name Arjun and Stella Arjun, yeah. they mm-hmm. must have been so disappointed because you look at this plot Luke you said this is the B plot mm-hmm. the other plot is an A plot but it's like an A plus plot in terms of what the magicians is able to bring to the table I mean it's it's essentially just the heist 2.0 and the heist episode was incredible. So they must've seen this script and been like, Oh my gosh, we have the baby plot (laughs) for the record. They've really never been a part besides the last song in the season three, all that Josh episode under pressure. They're not in the Margot episode at all. They don't sing in the, in the desert episode. They're not in the lame is scene. So Penny and Julia are never really in it until, I mean, but I mean, all that Josh under pressure is the best song of the entire series. Yeah, and they both like kind of talk sing during that episode, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Penny gets a solo because he's in the underworld at the time and they're all just like, Penny, come on, you gotta contribute. Yeah. He's like the blind man. Run away from it all. Like a blind man. <laughs> he does it very like low key. Okay, that was good. And that yeah. was not low key. That was yeah. that was high key. That was We're not gonna key. get into it, but before the pot I was talking some shit. So now I have to back it up by saying that 
legitimizing my own status as a as a vocal genius. I'm impressed. That were you good. saving that? You were hustling know, me man. just then. That this awesome. is not the first time I've flexed the golden pipes on the on the <laughs> podcast. I believe Kyle made me sing Valerie once upon a time, but oh, you know, yeah. here we are. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So back to the mental ward. Now we have Penny actually confronting his mom for the first time. And, you know, this is we've been saying it's supposed to be super, super emotional, but it's whatever. They start talking about um the fact that he's gonna now be a father. And then they start talking about the backstory of what went wrong with Neela when he was younger. And she just basically, anytime she was around him, she would start hearing these voices in his head, in her head, akin to what Penny was hearing from the beast all the way back in season one. So what Neela had to eventually do was just keep sending him away. And every time she would feel better, she would like bring him back into her life. And then the voices would get worse and worse. So eventually she made the decision that she just couldn't, they couldn't live together at all. Right. That's pretty much the gist of it. Yeah, more or less. And I have to disagree. This was the only time that I really did feel the emotions. And I think it was because of Neela, like the parts where she was just like, I wanted so bad to be able to raise you, love you, protect you. And you needed protection from me. Like we needed protection from each other. That kind of like broke my heart a little bit because she was definitely upset about it. But boy, poor Neela, when she starts hearing the voices too, I'm like, oh no, that's the thing. (laughs) And I honestly thought that there would have been a chance that the whatever it was that was causing her problems would have been gone when his traveler abilities was what's gone. But he makes an explicit point at some point in this episode to say, yeah, like, I don't even have my powers and it's still fucking with her life. So that's terrible. Yeah. And he's also blaming himself. He's like, it was me the whole time. I've been fucking with my mom this entire time. And now he's got to deal with the reality that it's going to happen to Julia as well. And Julia is way too calm about Dude, this. super optimistic. Out of control. She's like, what? He's like, and this is going to happen to you too. And she's like, well, unless we figure out how to cut the cord. Yep. That's Julia though. Yeah. <laughs> yep. She's so chill. I but love she it. She does make the good point to say that, you know, we're aware of magic and travelers. So there's got to be something we can do about this. Yeah. And that's kind of what we get at towards the later parts of these scenes, because the, the next scene we get, is Julia just using um I don't know like a monitor. The lens. Yeah, the lens. That was yeah. the lens to look at mm. a video camera of them talking, Penny and his mom. And what she sees right away is there's this insanely bright connection between them. And that's just very easily deduced that that's the cause of, of all this distress to Neela. She just can't handle it. She's a human. Yeah, when Julia, the next scene when Julia shows her and actually does magic and is like, I'm a magician, your son is as well, whatever. Can you imagine going your whole life in and out of mental words, getting your child taken away from you, thinking you're nuts, hearing voices, and then being like, okay, I'm going nuts again. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm imagining this. I'm hallucinating. There's no way you actually believe that that is real. Okay, but you put Neela, you put me in Neela's shoes and someone floats their iPhone back to their hand and it's just like, magic is real. I am not walking out of that room, like, at all. I'm staying there and being like, oh my god, magic is real? Let's go. Tell me literally everything you know. I want to be around my son so I don't hear voices. I do think that you also don't have a history of... Yeah, mental... (laughs) Of psychological issues where you kind of doubt your reality. It's true. I've had a pretty charmed life. A charmed yeah. life and yeah. a, and you're keen to magic as well. <laughs> yeah, and you are keen to magic, yes. <laughs> I am keen to magic. You're right. Okay. Well And Golden Pipes. You pretty much have it all. Well played, Pinchtown TV. You've convinced me that I am fantastic and that <laughs> for that reason I would never have that reaction. It just wouldn't happen. Okay. 
fair play. <laughs> but that's pretty much it, right? I mean, they kind of discussed that they have to figure out what they're going to do about this tether and the baby now. And that is what we have one episode left. Yeah. And you know, that's going to be their storyline. That means that they're going to be roped into this for episode 13 too. That's yeah. disappointing. I would just disappointing say, is the word. I would just say it seems about right that Penny Forty's mom was just unwilling to help the main characters, just like her son Penny Forty. <laughs> so womp womp. What damn. she ends up doing is giving them, giving Julia a picture to give to Penny. So cute, done. Right. That's pretty much the end of that bucket. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, you you're like a that. You're piece like of that, shit, right? Luke. You're a fucking oh, you know, I was ready to whip that one out. Okay. Are we ready to get into the ad? Do we have any lasting impressions of that plot line, all five minutes of it? I, like, I guess that we could just turn it on you two, Rooks. Like, any predictions? Because this is it. We got one more episode. What do you think about the baby? And I, what is, what's going to happen with the Jenny 23? My thoughts about this whole storyline is just, I want to be sedated. <laughs> I hate it. Damn. Yeah. I, I mean, the only way they could end it at this point is they do figure it out and live happily ever after the two of them. But I don't know. Maybe in the last episode, everything goes catastrophically wrong. They both die. Who knows? Yeah. I'm happy you guys pretty much initially felt the same way I did about Jenny 23 from all the way back in episode mm-hmm. one of the season, pretty much all the way throughout. It's just like it didn't really hit like it like they wrote it to. I think it's, it's fine. It's, it's fine. just fine. It doesn't make me mad. <laughs> yeah, I just would have preferred Katie and Penny 40 than mm-hmm. Penny 23 and Julia. It's just so hard for us to go through the beginning of this show with Penny being with Katie and Julia kind of not having that love interest in her life and being this like independent person. And then like, okay, technically Penny 23 is not Penny 40, but it's the same fucking guy to us as we're watching. You know, it's kind of, especially now it's, I mean, Obviously, he's Penny 23, but now we're however many seasons into him being Penny 23. He's just kind of Penny at this point. So it's just like selling us on that intergroup relationship changing and then us having to feel the weight of this insane thing where they're having a kid and it's fucking Julie up. is just kind of didn't hit the mark it was supposed to. That paired with us having seen Julia and Quentin's chemistry or even Julia and Katie's chemistry where I'm like, I know what it's like when Julia loves somebody, when it's your best bitch or Q, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it just it just didn't hit the mark, but that's OK. It, they can't nail it every single time. <laughs> no, it's all good. Yeah. And I mean, I still love both characters. The yeah. rest of the episode slaps, though. Yeah, but yeah, I'll kick wanna... us off. I'll kick us off. I have a few thoughts just in general, um, but I'm going to kick us off with the description, which is Margot sees a purse she hates. Alice writes a letter. We couldn't get Prince, which is really funny. I cannot believe that there's nothing in there about Fen because she deserved Fen gets stuffed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they were keeping her low key. <laughs> um, but yeah, we kind of talked about it already. I don't know if it was on or off pod, but Ellie and Alice really get featured in this episode. Really, in other episodes, it would be Katie. A- Elliot mostly gets um, featured a lot in the other ones, too. But Katie, they save her to the end and to date it, which we'll get to. Um, but I wanted to ask you, you rooks, how did you feel stakes-wise here? Because I love this episode. I remember my first time watching it thinking, okay, this is the penultimate episode of the final se- season. I was like, the stakes never felt high ever in this whole episode to me which is okay. I like not being stressed, but every little blip they hit is like, all right, cool. Done. Sweet. You know what I mean? Like they figure it out in two seconds. What did you guys think? 
you pretty much just like put words to my emotions. You know, I didn't really know how to describe it watching like the first half of the episode. I mean, I love the episode. The ending is amazing, but I think what it comes down to, and I mean, we have one episode left. I just think that the couple suck as like big bads of the last season of a TV show. I mean, I don't know who's, I mean, I don't think it's anyone's fault. It's just, they just don't feel that imposing. They were pushovers when it came down to it. Like in this episode, I, I would say I would put it into perspective as such. It was easier for them to rob the bank in what was it? Season two than it was for them to rob the Nave hotel, which was built up as this stronghold for anything in the magic world. So it made sense, but yes, stakes wise, I never felt that. And it also didn't help that kind of the tone of the whole episode was musical and kind of comedy esque. So all that together. Yeah. I didn't really feel the stakes. Yeah. Bringing up the heist episode too. That episode felt more tense than this one did. Oh my God. Yeah. The wrecking ball is a weapon of peace. (laughs) (laughs) That's just like everything about that episode was way more tense than this one. I will say specifically though, that at the very end in the standoff in the room with the couple, I thought that there was still tension there. And there was, there was definitely a possibility in my mind that death could have happened because of what we've seen from George in the past. And I think he was pretty fucking dark cutting off Alice's fingers with pretty much just interrogating the shit out of her. So I don't know for that specific scene, I felt it, but for the rest of the episode, you're pretty much right. It was so undermined by the music and the fun. Yes. Yeah. But uh, going back to what Kyle said, as the couple is a big bad, I would say the season is really interesting, right? I would say there's three big bads. There is the apocalypse, which monopolized the first six episodes. And I remember the first time watching it through being like, that could have been its own damn season. That was crazy. And then you get obviously the dark King the whole time. So the dark King is the big bad, right? He is the end game, big bad. We only have one episode to tie that up. And then the couple was kind of thrown, thrown at us slightly for the page in the bigger scheme of things, which is to save Fillory. So we're on this quest to save Fillory. And that's what it is. The couple might've been a letdown, but in the end, to me, they weren't really the big bad. And another thing for me and Kathleen, at least since we read the books, that's a huge nod to what, what the main plot point is of the third, of the third finale book. Um, So it hit a little bit better for me because I understood that it was pulling from the source material and the couple was very intertwined with this page, Quentin's page and stuff like that. So all that was fine. It was good enough for me. But I think the writers knew they were on their last ride and they want to end it a little bit fun, but also save the the big bad being the Dark King for the finale. Whoa, spoilers. (laughs) Yeah, true. But let's get into it. I really... This one is so fun, especially kicking it off with Cruel to be Kind. I like how the Magicians does such a good job with, like, everyone It has their own b- benefits to the team. Like, they're pros. They're, they're good. Everyone's a little good at something. And it's just like Pinch Down TV. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. there's, there's a ton of them. So they all have something to do. And that's what this felt like. It's everyone had, like, one thing to contribute, kind of. You know what I mean? And yeah, and even Marina herself, like she just holds it down as the conductor for this episode. I think she's just she could have been in the entire series front to back as part of the main squad, just someone jumping in and out because she has such good chemistry with them. And I guess it's maybe what your description doesn't fit for her because she actually does a lot of things, I would say. Right? Oh, yeah. No, some people do more yeah, than others, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's like I'm Alice. talking more like Margot is the one that spots the bag as a fake. You and know, she's and she's the gun holder. Right. Like there's certain things where it's like, they maybe wouldn't have figured out that that's where they were keeping it if Margot wasn't like that. 
all right, let's just start with the voiceover that the episode begins on, right? We have Marina now back in her own apartment slash her Katie's apartment, and they're just going through the specifics of the Nave Hotel, what we know. They're putting it on paper for us. So the couple is obviously staying here because it's supposed to be one of the most secure places on earth. Everything to do with the Nave Hotel is about security and protecting the people that are inside there. They have jamming spells. That means no battle magic. There's no traveling. You can't use cell phones. Any sort of criminal activity at all that gets detected by the bellhops, you're kicked out. You're immediately gone, breaking the rules. And then the bellhops themselves are animated golems who are embedded with empathy to yep. make them more, you know, like they're so, capable of dealing with humans, right? Empaths are highly sensitive individuals who have a keen ability to sense what people around them are thinking and feeling. So they were enchanted to have that ability therefore they can identify wrongdoing right and that's a very key part of this entire plot um and then the last two things that we kind of find out about the nave hotel is that there's an impenetrable vault all the way in the basement that is off the board it can't it can't be where the world seat is due to the temperature and you know it was going to be vulnerable during the harmonic convergence which you fucked into a cocked hat <laughs> <laughs> also and the vault is uh, it's dick shrivel cold in the vault yeah. <laughs> yeah i really like that they connect it back to why marina was cared about the harmonic convergence yeah. in the first place agree that was really good and i really like that fen's the one that points out like you yourself said it has to be in a certain temperature if it was mm -hmm. dick shrivel cold then that's our girl let's go the start of the mvp performance she is just coming off the bench and killing it these last two episodes. Mm -hmm. It felt good to see Gavin get his ass kicked a little bit, too. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. that guy. He was about to get curb stopped before he oh traveled out of there. Yeah. So I was also wondering why he couldn't travel out before the ass kicking like he did at the very end of the ass kicking when he was about to get curb stomped. Why didn't he do that? Like, I would assume there's some up? sort of focus that has to be had. Maybe like he couldn't get it together enough to travel out. I don't know. I'm making that up, Brian. Did he get hit from behind initially? No. All right. Then I don't know. I was also shocked in general <laughs> that he was the it was the bellhops that kicked his ass because I just I guess I got the impression that the couple fucked him up. How dope is the visual of the Nave Hotel going up when so mm. what the book after what they're working off of mm -hmm. is so cool. I love that shit. Yeah. Akin, also akin to a like a um house of cards. Like Quentin's yes. House of Cards or something. Yes, yes. Our first glance at the other member of the couple. And my note is just hot. Paloma is hot. She is. Hot. She is. Uh, so she is in season two of You on Netflix. She is. She is the older sister? She's the older sister. Oh, my God. Yeah. I can't believe yeah, I didn't recognize. Hot. But I think uh, at this part, Zelda asks a question out loud as Marina's talking. And she just stops right in her tracks and says, remind me who in the Disney fuck you are. <laughs> Just perfect delivery. Yeah. Perfect. Marina and Zelda, this is, I mean, we've mentioned this a bunch, this uh, this entire podcast season of just magicians' ability to bring two of the characters from the show together and just makes magic happen between the two of them, no matter who it is. And Marina and Zelda, this episode is the perfect example of that because the two of them never thought about them ever having scenes together and they are just kind of at each other's hips almost This for this heist. It's, it's just so perfect. Zelda is feeling every single dance number and Marina it's like pulling teeth and just having those two together like twirling and when they spin around Zelda is beaming and Marina's just like oh my gosh we'll get to it in Cruel to be Kind but everybody kills exactly how that character would react to the a forced dance number. 
the absolute yeah. gall of our heroes here. Like Marina, Marina is essentially trying to talk them out of it. Don't you think she's explaining to them? First of all, she's explaining to them what could go wrong. And our people are picking them off one by one. They're like, well, we could just do that. We could just yep. do that. Like, we'll just use emotion bottles. It's like, this seems pretty easy. Well, you got to <laughs> you gotta take into account that this is five seasons worth of character development for eight people yeah. that have saved multiple worlds. So they should be at the tip top of Earth magicians pretty much at this point. If not, like, you know, top 10, 15. So I think it's OK. I love uh, you know, it. Are you yeah. kidding They're me? Fucking master magicians at this point, basically. They're like, what's the scene there? Someone Marina says something and then Margaret goes, we're doing it. And yeah. Elliot's like, yep, we're doing it. <laughs> Also, I love when Marina gives the initial talk. So this is before the whole the hotel and they're in the kitchen. And when Fen says the info and then Marina's like, this is so you guys. All the good info, just too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, does she call Fen? I think she calls Fen the Disney. I think she Correct. says that about yeah. Fen. Oh, it was Fen? I thought it was about yeah. Zelda. Yeah. No, nah, it was Fen. Could have worked either way. Yeah, Zelda is, is a Disney princess this episode. You're right, Brian. The smile on her fucking face when she's dancing. It's incredible. Yeah. My girl. So moving on to the next scene with the book heist book unfurling scene, Katie went and like scoped out the hotel with the lens and found that one of the rooms is 30 degrees hotter than the others. Therefore, that one is probably where the seed is being stashed. But there's an ominous guard in there that nobody knows anything about. We'll get to that later. And then the next issue becomes, okay, if it's 99 degrees, how do we transport this seed? And that's where we go down this Instagram hole all of the dominoes just fall into place perfectly. She's wearing the purses front and center in this Instagram post, like whatever. But Margot identifies it. And you said you had the quote, right, Kathleen? Yeah, yeah, I do have it. She says it might be criminal Tiffany's, but it's fashion Walmart. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's she's dressed to the nines and everything like has impeccable style, this Paloma person, except for this knockoff Birkin bag. So she's like, no way she would be caught dead wearing that. That's probably the incubator. It's also, I love how it's it's a nice little window into the future if things end up working out for our heroes because uh, Elliot is the first one to comment on her style and then Margot follows that up with saying that's like whatever, a knockoff Birkin and then Josh is like, oh, like it looks kind of fancy to me and she's like, ah, oh, you're adorable, so I love you. It's just like the three of them, yeah. it's like such a funny little dynamic. There's also a quick quote here. I forget who says it. It's either, um, I think it's probably either Katie or Marina, but when they're talking about Paloma, uh, someone says that she's actually the top hedge witch of the West Coast. Yeah. Which to me, I just love that little hint at it because it's no. I don't think Paloma was. I think the dude Magnus Delacour. So the friend that they killed and stole the seed from that night was gotcha. the hedge witch. Regardless, I think the couple's I, just the couple. Yeah, that's fine. I still yeah. like the quote just because yeah. it's like a mini seed of world building to to counteract like Marina was the head witch yeah, on the, the east. east side. So that's cool. I love that. And, yeah. and we do get that in previous seasons she gets the west coast person slaughtered mm-hmm. by yeah. the beast no who was that it was the monster right no it was reynard because reynard, yes. marina wanted to help julia mm-hmm. um yeah and that's consistent with why it would be an old man is the head witch in the west now instead of that i forget her name but it was a woman last time the person yeah. that died so right. someone else who served her just a fun little thing the couple's last name is ball but so they're the balls, which is why they say no wonder they go by the couple. Mm-hmm. Just funny little stupid thing that they, of course, that the writers are like, let's name them the balls. <laughs> um. So the plan keeps going on. Uh, they start talking about 
you know, the different roles they're going to have to play in this heist where there's going to have to be the basement team who is downstairs turning off the electricity spell blockers basically to turn the heat down in the in the seed room and then there's going to be there's going to have to be the extraction team who grabs the seed at the perfect time this needs to happen in unison and then this is when zelda shows her you know prowess as a master magician saying hey like we can use the conductor spell because it's such a innocuous spell that it's low-key enough it'll get through the wards we can cast it before and it'll work it's not going to get blocked by the nave hotel and that's just the basis of all of our uh musical parts of this episode yes yep and it has to be so they say they want zelda to be the conductor but she can't because she doesn't know the hotel so it's got to be marina mm-hmm. and alice is like not only are we breaking into a hotel of horrors but our conductor is a psychopath and she goes sociopath technically hmm. i <laughs> love how she always corrects people with that i know and but that, her quote directly yeah, so after good that, do you have it yeah you yeah. wrote the word as bond yourself where's that arrogant self-confidence you're known for mm. Yay! alice is a little down obviously the song she's singing this episode are sad. She's not her- feeling herself right now. Like she needs to pump well, it up. Sense. She's our Alice Quinn. She lost a little bit of her magic yeah. touch. So makes sense. Yep. So now that Alice is on board, Zelda puts the conductor spell on this baton and, you know, Marina has to be holding it for the spell to work. And right as they're about to test it out, we hear someone getting a little upset from outside the front door. It's our boy, Sir Eppington. And he's just saying, who is this woman in my head? So clearly the spell also worked on him. We find out he was within range when it was cast. And he's here toting like a, a rifle too, like an old musket or whatever. And he's here to present it to a hero that can save Fillory by assassinating Julia. So fucking ridiculous. How it, Julia and his dynamic is yeah. just fucking amazing. <laughs> That is awesome. I know Kyle wants to correct that name. Go ahead, hit us with the name, Kyle. Sir Effingham. Oh, did I say Effington? Yeah, yeah you did. <laughs> oh, I'm a bum. I like Effington though. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's well, ha- Ham works because he's a pig. <laughs> yeah, I love it when he says he wants to kill Julia, and they all all start flipping yes. out, and then he says, "Gentlemen, please control your spinsters." And then the girls <laughs> even get even closer in on him, like, "I'm Go gonna fuck fucking kill guy. you." Yeah, Josh takes the gun. He's like, is this thing loaded? He's like, of course it is. It's such a fun camaraderie scene, especially like Jay Taylor posted the behind the scenes. That's what I posted on my story being like, will a show ever be this good? Because they're all just in normal clothes in the video she posted in rehearsals during the choreography. So funny. And I love this. I'm telling you, when this aired, I had never heard this song before. And I have listened to it every single day since. <laughs> so it's Cruel to be Kind, originally by Nick Lowe in the 70s, but it was covered by Letters to Cleo, and that's the version I listened to. But In the next episode, we're going to have to talk about best song ever featured in the show. As Boiler. a singing? It was Under Pressure. Under Pressure. <laughs> <laughs> take on me. Oh, no, about? just... Oh, okay. Performing. I guess that's a weird take but performing me. performing song. Yeah. Okay, that's a good song. one. That that could be a yeah. wrap up. Yeah, definitely yeah. part of mm-hmm. our wrap up. Love it. I, I was mean, gonna say because best song is definitely a day or a life in a day. Oh you know, yeah, for you, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's evolved by for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. All right, so back, so back to Sir Effingham. Ham. <laughs> he is in the room, and then this is when they break out to their first full song. Right, we just went through. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anything actually content wise comes out of it. Besides, okay. My video that I did, the video that I did. And oh, I mean, I just took notes on it. <laughs> yeah, well, Sir F kills it. Sean McGuire's the actor, but he slays the lead vocals. 
and like I was saying earlier, everyone's expressions and amount of engagement in the dancing is exactly what that character would be bringing to the table. For instance, Ben, Josh, and Zelda were loving it. Elliot, Katie, Alice, and Margot were pretty neutral about it. Confused. Elliot, Elliot was murdering it with the dance moves, though. He was absolutely killing it. And then Marina just could not stand her life. She was just like, cool to be kind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was perfect. This scene, like... I was just beaming for the entire three minutes or whatever. It was, it was great. So you fun. You definitely tell that the Dark King's actor was the pig the most when he was singing in this scene. Like I could just hear yes. straight Seb. You know? Yep. Yeah. And now that we know Seb more, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Seb is in our hearts now. With is those he? cum gutters. Oh, <laughs> in <damn>. my heart. <laughs> He's in Paul's thoughts, definitely. <laughs> but I just want to say that the the dance number itself, like the moves... So doable. So Kathleen, you've been talking about this. We could easily learn that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, that'd be a nice thing to like pull out of our back pocket, at, like a random function or get together. You know, one of us Please. slides under the ox, puts on that song, and then we all just start busting it out. <laughs> that'd be hilarious. I but already I do know it. Say, I'll teach you. I already know it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. We got our lead choreographer. <laughs> but I just love when he takes the left out of the dining room and he kind of he swims into the living room and then starts to like tango with Josh a little bit and then hops up on the table and starts doing a little wiggle and he has his arms out. So good. Oh, there's a part where he starts shimmying with Alice back and forth. Mm-hmm. I was loving that in the background, <laughs> but the conclusion of the song is they find out they basically need to run it back to season one, right? When they do the extraction of their emotion spells with the red bottles. Um, and then this plays heavily into the weakness for the um, golems in the Nave Hotel, which we find out very soon after this. But I think that's the very end of the uh, Marina slash Katie apartment scene. I have to note that they get rid of the pig guy by Josh. Yeah. I just called him pig guy. Yeah, take offense, Kyle. I don't care. <laughs> but Josh is just like, oh, sure. Yeah, I promise as a devout Catholic that I'm going to assassinate Julia. So sleep well. <laughs> Fillory's going to be fine. He's like, oh my god! Just like walks back inside, and then a hero has risen. It's so good, and one with a good singing voice at that. Marco makes a comment that she's like, yeah, because the emotion bottles went so well last time, and I really love the emotion bottles. First of all, I love when Quentin goes, "Shall we go fuck shit up or whatever?" But I, I mean, the emotion bottles leads to the threesome between Margot, Quentin, and Elliot, which, and then they end up taking the emotion bottles, doing all that training, fucking up Quentin and Alice so hard. And then as soon as they get to the library, Zelda's like, no emotion bottles, click. And they all, and, and Margo's like, crying. Margo's freaking out. She's like, I planned my whole outfit around that bottle, <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing. But I, I mean, that's some of my favorite stuff since from season one. So I appreciate the nod back. seems pretty obvious that like, why didn't Marina think that on the original heist? Like if you can't use emotions, bottle it up. Yeah. She obviously hasn't seen season one, but it's fine. Anyway, hit it, Bri. Yeah, so that takes us to the actual carrying out of the heist. And we get our boy Pete, mm. a.k.a. Love Lady, rolling in, getting us started with his uh, suitcase. He's just checking into the hotel. This was just a really cool scene. Like, it felt like I was watching Ocean's Eleven of them just one by one, like, pulling themselves mm. out of the suitcase all just looking fresh as fuck too. And then they're all just chilling there and it's time for Pete to do his job, which I guess was just to distract the couple as long as he could. See, that's so interesting. You say that because I thought this, I thought that, and I still think that he was distracting them, but then Marina says something like Pete got 
ejected doing a very Pete like scam. So I guess if they just meant the wine bottle. Well, yeah, because if he didn't lie, then he wouldn't have gotten kicked out and they still would have the suitcase escape plan, which I think was his whole end. Okay, so it was his job to distract, but he went a little too far with the lie. Okay, the deceit. Well, six minutes wouldn't have been a distraction enough is the whole thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he bought him another half an hour, but in the end, it didn't matter. I, I made a note. I was just like watching them come out of the suitcase and Margot seemed to struggle the least. And as I was typing that note out, Fenn was also coming out and I was like, oh, look at Fenn. She's actually doing well. And then right as I was about to finish Margot and Fenn struggle the least, Fenn just completely fell off the bed. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> so Pete is talking to the couple, just offering them some whiskey. I think he was saying like everybody in the know knows about you guys. So I guess he was just kind of blackmailing them. Meanwhile, we have our couple sweet team, which is Margot, Fenn and Josh. Team Werewolf. Oh, love that team werewolf. Uh, So they're going to find the incubator and they do very easily. And they kind of filled this plot hole in why it was so easy to locate. Margot was just like, no way she would ever be wearing that other than to carry the seed. So, you know, it's going to be in her closet or wardrobe, uh, which it was. So that was that was pretty straightforward. However, turns out the guard that we were worried about was Dean Fogg, Fogg 17. I am a little shocked that they didn't think okay who's the person in here we got to find the person is it a bellhop like come on you got you knew there was a body in there but the other big thing that we found out is that fen says they're translating the page incorrectly and that ends up playing a huge part in the rest of the episode mm-hmm. so back to pete an employee comes and whispers something in george's ear and the couple just leaves without a word and then another bellhop comes by and says i'm sorry sir we've incurred a problem Turns out you used deceit because it wasn't a 2005 Ho de Brion whiskey. It was a bottle of two buck Chuck. And Pete's just like, damn, they got me. That is definitely a classic Pete scheme. Yeah, I love Pete. He's so great. He's a joy anytime he's on the screen. 100%. Pete is in the top tier of side characters. Dude, from he, his he's money. First scene of the entire show. You think he's going to be this asshole to julia who's basically going to sexually assault her yeah but then he's like dude i would never fucking do that i was just trying to mess with you and he's just like kind of just i love that i would never as <laughs> if he didn't just rip her shirt off yeah, button yeah. by button <laughs> and tie her up by it yeah hot hot honestly all right so then the next scene now we're with what do we want to call alice katie and elliot i could not think of a team name team uh, hot people these are the that could uh, work for either team i know that's true team team, make out. team. team oh make team make out like it better make out is great so team makeout gets told about Pete and then and the fact that um team werewolf got caught by fog. I don't think she know they, they know it's fog yet. So they immediately with no emotion just stop and say we got to go rescue them, right? So then they leave and then as they're in the the hallway is the couple is showing up to go into their room and they need a distraction. So all three of them just start heavily making out. Elliot just killing it right there. Yeah. And then the second the couple walk away, they just like stop, stare straight face and just like back to business. <laughs> Bro, Alice with the little lip wipe, like, yes. yeah, whatever. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. Amazing. So yeah, perfect. The lack of emotions is so good in a bunch of subtle ways this episode. That one also, Fen just acting like that without the emotion is so funny because that's such a central part of how Fen just kind of acts in general. The best was when she's like, I like your blades. Oh so does that, that is the best line by Fenn in yes. this episode. So good. So as Makeout Squad is continuing through the hotel, they are stopped or they encounter a golem bellhop who starts to attack them. And these guys are not to be trifled with, like very powerful, gets 
Alice is the one that is free. So Elliot and Katie in like a chokehold, at which point did she intentionally break open her vial or did yeah. she fall and it broke? Okay. She broke it open to do, do something like a last ditch effort. Yeah. So she breaks open the vial and then obviously she gets all emotional and starts breaking out into song. And I also really liked this song. She It's called Afraid. But this is where we find out that them singing is kind of the bellhop's kryptonite. Elliot just comments and says it's empath overload. So they're feeling too much, I guess. Mm -hmm. I wrote down, is he overcome by the sexual tension? Because I had no idea what was going on. (laughs) Because she's not really grabbing him or like doing anything. She kind of just has her hands like on his chest and he's just like incapacitated. (laughs) Like he's just, I don't know. I thought she's so hot. She's singing. He's just like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. I love that. Yeah, this was a really good song. Uh, the lyrics make sense for how Alice is feeling. She's afraid. She's uncertain. She's alone. And Katie and Elliot are just so confused, emotionless, and and looking with curiosity. Like, I love how Marina's just like, so apparently Alice had a moment or something, and they all just continue as if it didn't happen. Um, but now we go back to the couple suite with Team Werewolf, and Fog has them all tied up, and he finds Margot's Glock in her purse, which of course she brought along when the couple walks in. And they thank our boy Henry for his service to them and says, you can have your own island on our new world. And he says, I want my own goddamn country. Mm-hmm. That's our boy Henry Fogg getting what's his. And then Fenn starts stalling and tells the couple that, you know, their plan isn't going to work out. They've been translating the page incorrectly and offers to help them in exchange for everyone's safety. And I loved Marina's acknowledgement of a ah, smart girl, like keep going, keep it rolling. Fan for MVP. Fan baby. Okay, so Marina informs the other squad, uh, Makeout Squad, that Fan pulled the stall and is heading to the seed room with the couple. That leaves the three of them together in a room. Elliot says, hey, if you can take out Fog, mano we mano, then I can stay here and help Alice through whatever she's going through. So Katie goes off, and this is where we have our second song. Alice first admits that she's in a bad, bad place right now, a little bit traumatized by getting her fingers cut off by George. So, you know, that's a legitimate feeling. And Elliot and Alice proceed to do the duet. Yes. Don't give up by Peter Gabriel. Again, lyrics right on site. I think that it could have been half the length. Mm-hmm. Give me it it was a full four minutes song. They did the whole damn thing. Give me half of it and give me two more minutes of of quippy like com, like commentary. Um, but I think they're both very talented. I love in general that they're giving Elliot and Alice these scenes together because it ever since episode three when they went to the no. well, I, I love these two together. They really bonded and Elliot helping her out in her time of need and taking that sip. And he's so good when he takes that sip, the acting amazing. So I think we can all agree. It it was definitely the worst song and maybe the worst part of the episode. But Mm -hmm. I thought the best part of this scene was not even Alice or Elliot. It was the quick flashback to Marina and Zelda dancing. And when Zelda tries to like grab Marina, like to, you know, get it close dance or she get close and dance with her. She just starts freaking the fuck out. Yeah, that was hilarious. this is why I don't hang out with you guys. Um, I also like how Zelda plays it off with a yawn, like she, like she wasn't about to go dive into a dance number with her again, you know, and grab her. She just kind of yawns away from it. It's really good. My final thoughts is I can't imagine how awkward this must have been to shoot because even Alice is really acting the singing, right? She's really 
doing faces and singing this, but the noise coming out is pretty soft and chill. So I was like, wow, I would love to be in the room. And I'm sure they're just like playing it out loud and they're and they're lip singing to it. Right. It's just so funny how like even when it's a good like cool to be kind. I would love to watch that. I'm sure that's funny and goofy to record, but something like this where it's so intimate, mm-hmm. it's probably really awkward. Yeah. Yeah. It was supposed to be, you know, super emotional and it just doesn't really hit that right. because of the singing, you know, it was just like, I just felt like I was supposed to feel more than I was feeling. Yeah. But- I think, yeah, Elliot, I mean, the, the premise of the song is like not to feel alone and stuff, right? So the song's really sweet for the end of this series with five seasons. And a lot of the times, all these characters probably felt really isolated and alone. So it's nice that Elliot is basically being like, you got a friend. I'm here. We're working together. It's nice that the whole squad is in this episode working together. It, it works for me. Beautiful. Just a, just like in the penultimate, I don't need four minutes of it. It's but... the stakes thing that bothers yeah. me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so we can move away from this scene. We're going to come back to them in a second. But we get a quick transition of the couple walking Fen into a new room to have her help translate the page. And what she tells them right away is that the world seed needs to know what your goal is, what you're trying to do, and it will know if you're lying. And if you don't be honest about this, it's just going to die and it's not going to work. So we find out, of course, these two have powerful magical enemies all over the world and one of them at the end of i guess a heist that they've done before in the past cursed them so they can't have children on earth and now their whole idea is they're going to build this new world and then they'll be able to have a family there and i had the same reaction as ben like okay i would not have guessed that but like should you guys be parents and they're just like (laughs) fuck this chick go translate our notes but yeah that was kind of out of left field i feel like that doesn't really matter what their intentions are because they don't get the world seed anyway. But yeah, that cool backstory for them. Good enough. Yeah. 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 I also don't know. I feel like Ben easily could have been pulling a fast one on them just to try and find out their motives. Too. I originally thought I that. Would have yeah. loved that. That would have been so lit. It also does. It just feels like that motive was written in there as a joke for Fen. You know, like for the purpose of having that moment. Mm-hmm. And that but was, also I don't know what happens in the last episode so well, that wasn't their actual motivation in the book right no. no they're trying to humanize the couple in the show to give you some sympathy for them but I don't know that we care enough about them to yeah. give them sympathy but honestly it just makes them less menacing I feel like we wanted them to be more menacing mm-hmm. it's less menacing that they just want a kid they're doing it because they made so many enemies they want a kid and a family it's like oh okay well <laughs> yeah it's just whatever Mm-hmm. so this takes us to katie who is going to save the werewolf squad and she knocks on the couple's door and she's just playing dumb as if she is talking to the squad through the door like hey guys we have a problem obviously she was privy to the fact that they were tied up and knew that fog would answer so then we get a cut scene to now katie is also tied up and dean fog went straight for a flask and takes a sip he's like what is this like an explosive potion camouflage or good old chloroform, and it is his favorite liquor. It is Isabella Islay Single Malt, which we actually found out in a previous episode. And he's like, God damn it, who knew you had taste? And obviously it was drugged. Katie slipped it with Archie and Fog 17 to the etheric realm. And my immediate thoughts are, in episode 13, are we going to get a Fog 17 interaction with Fog 40? Only one can make it out of the etheric realm. Gonna be Hank. 
our boy. I I'm really thinking that Hank's coming home. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, you guys have predicted in the past, so we're gonna see how that plays. Put it off. on the board. I yeah. I like that. But I love the payoff of the what episode was that five or four or something like that. So early on, they they set up the whole ethereal <laughs> ethereal realm, and we really haven't heard much about it since. So it's cool that Katie used it in a very intelligent way, and the way she was trying to. I, you you phrased it perfectly, B. Tom. She was aware that Fog was in there and just played dumb because if she didn't, Fog would not have fell for that drink at all. It's too smart. Yeah, because she gets got right away. She just walks, knocks on the door, mm-hmm. gets taken in. So smart. That's our Katie girl. So then this is when we jump right back to Marina, Zelda, talking with the whole squad, and then they tell Alice and Elliot, who are the important ones in this scene, that Pete got caught, suitcase escape is gone off the table now. And then that's when we just have a quick flash of Alice saying, I have an idea. She goes over onto a paper, writes the letter S, and then she uses her um, paper plane spell and sends it out and says, yeah, like nothing, nothing else. Let's hope that works. Yeah. Like she even knew that she was living on a prayer with this idea, but. Did you guys have any thoughts? You you already said in the beginning, right? You didn't have too many thoughts on what Bro, that was. Yeah, zero was- percent chance we were guessing that one, but I, I love it more than anything. <laughs> Yep, yep. An amazing payoff for sure. And now the drama. Yeah. Now, now the drama. Yeah. I would say that. This is the this is the highest stakes of the episode, <laughs> I would say for sure. Yeah. But Ellie and Alice are in the basement and a bellhop comes, so Elliot chugs the rest of his little drink, his little red drink, and sedate it. So epic. I, I I like Cruel to be kind the best, probably, because it made me fall in love with that song. But this is really fun. This one is really, really fun. I love it. What's your fa- what's your favorite now that we've done all the songs? What's your favorite of the episode? Cruel to be kind is the best yeah. of the yeah, episode. Definitely cruel to mm-hmm. be kind. But wait, is this also happening right so, after? Yeah, you skipped the scene. Th- yeah, oh, the drama, the drama Luke was referencing was Anna uh, showing up at the at the apartment. I'll redo that later. It's fine. Cool. So Anna shows up at the New York apartment, and Marina and her just have a blow up because she caught her red-handed with the heist book, which she explicitly said, I'm not going to be involved with this heist book thing. And it kind of comes to a head where they're arguing back and forth. And Marina just tells her to get on board with who she is or fuck right off, which is a legitimate take by her because they've been back and forth forever. And Anna just snaps the baton. Like, babe. Oh, I love that. Babe. (laughs) Doing that thing where you call me babe a lot, so I know you're lying. Yeah. Oh, so you want me to believe you're not fucking the sexy librarian? I was like, (laughs) Anna has taste. What does Zelda say to that? Zelda says, oh my, no, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) With the the arms up, obviously. Yes, 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 the entire time. But we're just going to do both parts of these scenes because they are segregated a little bit, but we kind of, you know, we're flowing through it. And I think uh, at the end of after that Zelda comment is when she walks out and I think they break up. Yeah. But I want to say that who, who, why, why did the scene unnecessary? They just tape the baton back and they get back in two seconds. There's literally nothing to do. And who cares about Marina and her girlfriend? I mean, I do, but (laughs) it it needed to, you know, say out loud that Zelda is a sex librarian for everyone out there that's uncultured and wasn't getting it. And for that line, I will never complain. I, I'm just like, it's interesting that they added it. Again, it's just because it's the penultimate. I think I'm like, okay, if it didn't actually raise the stakes and it didn't actually affect the end, which it didn't. I, I think it just, they had some time to kill while Elliot and Alice do this next basement scene. So it didn't matter if the conductor thing was going on. Or does she fix it before they start singing? Right. Well, Elliot's like, thank you. Or Marina, nice to have you back. 
Yeah. It's right yeah. Right. in the middle right. of the number. Yeah, I guess you're right. I don't know. Yeah. Right in the beginning of the number. It's, it's he hasn't even taken the sip of the thing yet because he says it in the deadpan voice. Yeah. And then he and then he chugs it. So yeah, the, the baton's broke, it's fixed. Zelda hero of the day, whatever. They're yeah. they're all back in conductor mode. So this is pretty much the final stretch of the plan. And we're in the basement. Elliot and Alice are ready to turn down the temperature, but they can't do it until the timing's right. So as this is all, you know, they're waiting for the conductor spell to get fixed. Elliot, does the do they see the bellhop first? Yeah. The bellhop shows yeah. up. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And then so Elliot pops his emotional bottle to fuck the bellhop up. And then 20, <laughs> 20, 24 hours ago, starts, yes. which this is probably the second best. It's so close 100%. to cool to be fine. This oh was my amazing. God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I love that. So it starts with Alice and Elliot, right? And then it it keeps flashing to Zelda and Marina doing some choreography in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our girl, Katie. Well, first of all, before I s- skip to Katie, Alice and Elliot are killing it. Elliot's hitting some insane notes. Yeah. And it's like, take Dude, me to the airport. <laughs> laugh out loud funny. That was so yeah, goddamn good. So good. And then our girl, Katie, comes in with that four octave range, bitch, <laughs> which is in the behind the scenes that Katie was posting, if you haven't seen it, go to Jay Taylor's Instagram and watch her do it with no background vocals. It's just her acapella screaming. So good. Hitting every notes. The 20, 20, 24 hours ago. She wants to be stated. So fucking good. How yeah, my, my note. One of, one of my notes for this is just Jade. Yep. Jade period. Just all That's all you need to say. Just absolutely killed it. This yeah. was just like a performance for her for her next job. So they know. <laughs> but even Katie, when she like sl- when they're running down the hall and she slides away through the bellhop carrier, the bag carrier thing. Well, of course, it's a hilarious when Josh eats it through it. But Katie's so smooth, <laughs> so smooth. I'm like, this bitch got it all. She does her own stunts. Best hair that's in so the funny that you kind of stumble over what that's called, because I had no idea what to say. <laughs> I called it a yeah. gurney, but it's not a gurney. I know it's not a gurney. That was just for some reason. That was the only word that I could grasp in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> but before we leave this scene, I just want to make the mention that Margo, like aggressively singing, like in the bellhop's face while Katie having to hold her back was just <laughs> the absolutely perfect touch. Yeah, I have a question though. Did every time they popped the emotional bottles, which in this episode happens a couple times for a few of them, and then all the way back in season one, do they each show the same emotion? Like, is Alice always crying and Margo's always mad? No. Well, okay. So you mean back from season one to now? Yeah. Like, remember in season one, I feel like Penny was cracking up. Penny Forty was laughing. Elliot was. Just like shaking and ju- chugging alcohol, like and he's like, Mar- and, yeah, 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 Margo, no, I can't." Margo was, of right course, now. angry. She was, she was like, "Why?" She, I, if I can remember this correctly, she looks at Elle. She's like, "Why aren't we friends anymore?" And she's like, "Yeah." He's like, "We are. We're best friends." And just starts <laughs> chugging alcohol. Yeah, I didn't think she was mad. She was like distraught. Yeah, okay. no, I, don't know. I think they're a little more accustomed to it now. Back in the day, they were like big sobs and dramatics. Now they're. <laughs> They were also the whole point with this is they were just taking like a nip at the vial, not like the whole thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So the yeah. emotions were kind of coming on with a grain of salt. Now that will take us to the next scene, which is Fen still translating for the couple in the seed room. Um, and this is where we get George starts unfurling his torture devices. And Fen's just like, hey, I love your blades. <laughs> Unreal. This one. George is just like, you're a weird girl. <laughs> And George, this is where he notices the temperature going down to like 97 and he gives Paloma a look and Paloma immediately goes out to investigate and werewolf squad 
minus Ben plus Katie is waiting for right there. So they get Paloma at knife point and a standoff ensues because George kind of grabs Ben and puts her at knife point. Margot kind of takes over the scene and says, hey, listen, time is running out for the seed and our friends are the ones that are controlling the temperature. So we need to act quick here, like put down your knives, both of you and Katie and George both put them down. She's like, good. All right. So here's how this is going to go and whips (laughs) out the Glock and immediately just shoots George right in the hand. Also takes out the circumstance panel in the process. Paloma tries to run. Katie rocks her in the face. So the couple is both just like on their knees there. And this is where we get Fen. (laughs) Everyone's just like, where's the seed? Where's the seed? Fen's just like, it's fine. It's fine. I fucking got it, Margo. Because she just popped her emotion bottle right there. Yeah. Yeah. So she's freaking out. (laughs) Because Margo's like, chug, bitch, or whatever, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Start chugging. Oh, I. I legitimately think that this is the hardest I have ever laughed at the magicians. I went back and watched it three times afterwards. Fen hitting the high of I fucking got it. is so unbelievably funny. I like can't handle it. It was literally fucking hilarious. Yes, dude. It's like 100 degrees. She's sweating. She's just on the ground after being held at knife point. I fucking got it, Margo. It's so good. It's just she just kills it. It's just perfectly delivered. Also, too, I love how when Margot's telling them to put the knives down, she's like, Katie, ball. She doesn't call him George. She calls him ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, poetic, yeah. poetic justice that George gets shot in the hand after what he did to Alice's fingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fuck that, was that great. fucker. So you said earlier about how Margot season one plans her outfit around the emotion vial. Did she plan her outfit around the purple Birkin bag? I wasn't paying attention. Damn. I she might have. I thought she looked good with the. It was like a purple suit with like the yellow oh, blouse underneath. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of that bag, what happens right now? I mean, we did we skip over that a little bit? How we did? Yeah. They were gonna put the seed into the bag, which was the original plan, but the magic cut off and it was beat, which is when Fen said, "I fucking got it." Whatever. So then the yeah. whole squad, like after what we just talked about, happens. Bam, bam, yeah, bam, the, the bam, music's bam, still going. Bam. The whole squad's out in the hallway, and I was laughing at this part too when it's just. Okay, so first Marina says, Alice has an escape plan. You guys got to get out of there right now. And then they run out to the hallway and they see Elliot or Alice and Elliot all the way down the end of the row. And they're just like dancing and like shaking. They're still grooving. So freaking good. Because Alice is just, it's so funny when she's dancing because her face would never be showing the expression you would show if you were normally dancing. And it just makes for Luke was watching Alice before we started recording and see, he said, wow, I would die so fucking hard for her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that girl. As we would all, but Luke is the, is the Alice stand for sure. And then here is where we get the explicit reveal of where the seed actually is. It's in a place that is, do you have the quote? I actually don't go ahead, Bri. Fenn assures the gang that the seed is somewhere warm, very humid, even moist. And they're all just like, oh, oh, my God. Good job, Fen. And they, like, get out of there. They hoof it to the uh, to the roof. MVP. And- MVP. Hell yeah. MVP. And uh, Alice is an MVP Alice. this episode, too. But no, Fen is the MVP of the episode. Uh, but they're all just like, okay, we're at the roof. What's the escape plan? And Alice says, well, it's more of an escape plea. Alice wrote to fucking Santa Claus. Ho, 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 motherfuckers. <laughs> So good. I perfect. Can't oversell how much I fucking love this scene. Mm-hmm. Just the payoff, just fantastic. 
it, nothing needs to be said about it. It was just, it was earned and it works. And Alice saves the day without actually being the one that used the magic, which is great. Just fits her character. And it was just a good ending to the heist. <laughs> the issue with this being the penultimate though, is like, there's not a lot for you guys to predict with Fillory because we didn't get any more information really. Right. It's all about the world seed. So, but, but here, here's a good thought. Fen taught them what the what the couple would have had to do to the world seed. You have to talk to it, explain why you want to do this, what you want, etc. So now you know, like our friends now have this world seed. So they're gonna have to be like, now what? What the fuck do we do with this thing? Mm -hmm. So that's just something to think about because Fen pretty much tells you exactly what you need to do. Well, they have the the seahorse, mm -hmm. right? I mean, they don't mention it this episode, <laughs> but we have the seahorse. Mm -hmm. And we have the world seed. And I don't think the world seed doesn't have morals. You just have to tell it what you actually want and not lie. So yeah. So are, what are you predicting? So I mean, it clear. seems fairly straightforward that they're just going to create a new fillery. Okay. But also that seems too straightforward because it's the magicians. That does seem too straightforward. And in the last episode, they were really hammering away at the point, or at least Hyman was, that this is the part of the story where the good guys probably have it wrong. And Fen was really highlighted highlighted as the protagonist of this episode especially and i think that 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 is going to kind of going to continue next episode and she's going to be the voice of reason to try and stop them from blowing up fillery i can't even begin to speculate how they're going to avoid that but everything in my body is telling me that fillery is going to survive next episode it's also true that um when elliot says to fen last episode probably you know my personal favorite line of the episode when he says you know you don't want to be a side character or whatever. Like you want to be part of the group. Like this is what that means, you know, stepping up and making these kinds of decisions in reality. She doesn't really, the decision to grab the seahorse isn't that big of a decision. There's not a ton weighing on that. So I think that that line could actually mean something about her, maybe stopping them from yeah. doing everything in the next episode. Yeah. That makes sense. You guys can watch the finale now. No, yes, we can. are you going to do it tonight? You should come on, watch it. No. It's uh, probably not thing. tonight, probably tomorrow. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. Dad. When you guys watch it, let us know, because I might be if I'm in the mood, I'm just going to click play when you do. Me and too. I listen to your reaction. I got to watch Luke's first <laughs> oh viewing God. of it. I, can, I, I have a video that I'll send you that. guys <laughs> afterwards. All right, We're seeing Q next episode. We have to. We need to. I want to hear his voice at least. Maybe not his face, but like I would like to hear his voice. That's why yeah. it's nice to watch the previously on, because a lot of times they do draw from like Quentin scenes and stuff. So. Oh my God. And this previously on, we got the Quentin, your sweater is nice. Did you say that to be cruel? <laughs> no, I saw no reason not to share. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things about the show, man, is when I like rewatching it leading up to the season, the, the, the humor is so fucking good, man. Top it's not even like it's, you know, like the, the punchlines aren't like even anything crazy. It's just like the way that they interact with each other is so fucking funny. My friend is watching it for the first time now, and she is like, I cannot believe that I've known that this is your favorite show for five years, and I haven't watched it because this show is incredible. How I was far? like, thank you. She's on season four. Um, amazing. Ooh. I know. She's in the peak prime. She's, I love it. She just got through, like, they're finally themselves again okay. after season four. Like, What did she think of um, A Day in the Lower Life in a Day? So I said my favorite is in three and she guessed the timeline 23 would have been my favorite episode. And I was like, that's my second favorite of season three for mm -hmm. sure. But it was live in the day. <laughs> um, all right. So before we get to our bank, kill Mary, I have two just quick hitter questions to see what you rooks think. Put it on the board. Is there going to be any death 
in the next episode? And then are we going to get happily ever after? I just want to know what you guys think. I love those questions. (laughs) With the knowledge, you guys know that the writers knew that there was a chance that this was going to be the finale. But then there was also a chance that it could have kept going. So but they made it to work as a series finale. So it's not like it's going to be like crazy amount of open-ended plots that we're just left hanging. So it is a finale. I don't think anyone of the main squad is going to die, but I could see, I mean, if they're not going to blow up Fillory, then they're going to have to kill Seb. So it's, it's so hard because the past, like this last episode was, is such a break from Fillory. You know, we're doing it because we're, we need to do something to Fillory, but I just feel like it's been, it feels like it's been so long since Fillory's been like a part of the show that it's so hard to even like make a prediction about it. But I feel like, I mean, Seb has to die is that's, I said that very definitively, but he doesn't have to die, but I'll say that he'll die. I just don't think that any of the main cast will die because it'll just kind of feel I don't know. I don't. I, I can't imagine a way that they would do it that would feel satisfying, like um, Quentin's death was <clears throat> satisfying. Obviously, horrifically sad, but satisfying. Yeah, I was. I was going to say that this show isn't like known for killing off main characters, and for them to do that to Q was like huge for them. I don't think that they would kill off another main character in this season as well. However, if they do, I would say it would be Elliot or Alice who would sacrifice out of grief because Q did last time. They've they've grown a lot since Q's death and they would be the ones to fall on their sword. I would also say I have a hunch that Fillory is going to make it through, but there's no way that Fillory can be safe while the dark King is alive. So they're going to find one way to take out the DK. I think Rupert's going to die. All our main characters are safe and Fillory, the planet will also be saved and not get blown up. All right. We got I, I guess speaking, if Alice were to die, Obviously, the manner which it would happen would matter, but I think if they sold it in the right way of her like being reunited with Q, I could get down with that. Okay, mm, I kind of like that because yeah. we know we know at some point next episode the bridge between the living and the dead is at least going to be a little bit gray. Yeah. Uh, ooh, could I hear Quentin's? Yeah, Kyle, I like that a lot. What you just said about Alice trying to be with Q, but how, how that happens, there's no way we could, we could guess that, but I like that, Kyle. One episode left. Uno mas. Sci-fi magicians. Best show of all time. It's the best show of all time. <laughs> That's it's crazy. Really Nothing this, like being um, in the, in the peak of it to be biased as hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Podcasting about it, watching it for the fourth fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> this is the best show ever. <laughs> First of all, okay, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's weird is we've talked about this when we were covering these episodes, but we already had the peak of the season with the apocalypse uh, Groundhog Day episode with Elliot. If that was the best episode of the season, I would still probably be pretty satisfied, honestly. Mm -hmm. If they can top that, I would be freaking out. I will say they definitely raised the stakes as opposed to in this one where we felt the stakes were low. I will say the only spoiler I would say is the stakes are high in the final episode. So. And I don't even think that the next episode, the finale needs to be the best episode of the season for it to be you know, either good for me to like it for the season itself to be good. So, yeah, 
Well, have your gears turning when you're watching it because we're totally going to be ranking the seasons in the wrap-up episode as well and just what you think as a whole of the ending, of course. So just be thinking about those kind of things. Yeah. Okay. Now it's Bang Kill Mary time, our second to last. That might not be true because we're going to do another episode after the series. But the three are Margot, Katie, and Fenn. This is tough. This is a tough one. I got my reasonings ready if you want me to start Go this ahead, one off. Go so. boy. I always kind of like to take a little bit of a less traditional one. So I'm going to start this ho- off hot kill by Margo. killing Margo. No! <laughs> Insanity. And it is. It's tough. But if we're talking about the characters, hmm. I would never cross my boy Josh Hoberman. Plus, <laughs> oh I, get my to, I get to avoid the STD. Um, I'm not going to be a werewolf. So that's all good. And I love the other two so much. So Margo's going to get the axe. That's why you had a. Uh, whatever qualify in universe so hard yeah i did i, <laughs> I respect it um okay so i'm gonna marry fen because she's uh the least intimidating of the three so i would feel you know like i wouldn't feel self-conscious about dating just like, sure. these goddamn you know goddesses but she's also incredibly fun so that would be the best life to live like that and for those that don't know i collect katanas so Fen would fuck with my collection of swords, right? Like she would be all into that. So me and, me and Fen would have a great marriage. That'd be really fun. And then Katie's beautiful singing voice stuck in my head, her beautiful face. She's amazing. And she's kind of chilled out since the last season of um, getting over Penny 40 and with the hard drugs and stuff. So she's awesome. She's beautiful. I'm going to bang Katie. Kathleen, you got this. Okay. Um, I am going to kill my girl Fen, which sucks, right? I mean, if it wasn't Margot, I probably would have married her. But I'm going to kill Fen, and I'm going to regret it for a, for a long time. <laughs> but I'll eventually get over it because I'll be married to Margot. My sweet, sweet Margot. Those big eyes, amazing hair. Oh, God, I fucking love her. She'd be a handful, but I, I get to work with it. Interesting life there. In, very interesting bored. life. Um. And then I am going to bang Katie for the same reasons Luke said. Gorgeous singing voice. The first scene that she's in basically in the pilot when she's fucking Penny. Um, Yep. There it is. I still don't even have any of the three confirmed for any of the slots. (laughs) This one is so difficult. But so I I am keying in on and I'm going to regret it. The Mary was between Margot and Fenn. And I think I have to give it to Fenn because so Margot, this is literally sugar spice and everything. Nice. Fenn is everything. Nice. Margot is sugar, I guess. Actually, Margot and Katie are both spice. Now that I'm now that I'm saying it out loud. And that said, I don't think I could be married to spice. You know what I mean? Too antagonistic. Fenn. If nothing else, she's goofy, she's fun, lighthearted. And when her and Elliot got married, she was devout wife, was all on team us, like, we're a couple now, we're in this together. I love that. Mary Fenn. Oh, and between these two, my God. I'll give the nod to Margot for the bang, honestly. It's a flip of a coin. Get me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> bang Margot, kill Katie. Yeah. I like that. your indecisiveness because shake them in a hat pick pick one i don't care any way this shakes out i am that happy. is passion right there yeah i, I, d- I did i did decide on marrying fen though and that surprises me because i've been saying since the beginning like Margot's my girl i love her so much yeah. but when you really think about it fen would probably be the better one to be married to yeah 
And so, just real quick, isn't didn't they say in last episode, episode eleven, that Fen and I think it was Hyman that points it out. Isn't Fen and Elliot still married? Because I know we questioned yeah. that earlier, like maybe like three episodes mm-hmm. ago. But they are yeah, still we, technically married. We, right? we talked about it last episode. Okay, cool. So I will play us out. And this has been the worst one to go last because not even so much of you hearing you guys talk, just having the most time to think yeah. about this one is so tough because I'd rather just went first and pulled the trigger and got it over with. But I think that I'm going to marry Margot because Margot is my favorite character. And I don't think that I could kill her. And I don't think I could ever just have sex with her once and then. <laughs> that would be the end of me and hers relationship in that sense, you know? So it would basically have to marry her. And then it, it comes down to this next decision of just like, I don't think I could have sex with Fen over Katie. So I would have to bang Katie because Dude, Katie's awesome. And it would be me. So I am going, <laughs> I know this is so sad after her MVP season. Wow, man. It would have been like plus 10,000 before we started for you to kill Fenn. I did not see that happening. So, unfortunately, Fensical Wahlberger. <laughs> yeah, that's your girl. We'll get the axe. We'll give her a nice clean death with the guillotine. <laughs> the joy of the show is that you can literally point to me and go, that's your girl about any girl on this show. And I'd be like, yeah. she sure is. Yeah. <laughs> I love Fenn so much, but when it comes down to this discussion... <laughs> It's very tough because I really the cornerstone of my decision is the fact that I don't think I could kill Margot, and I literally could not just have sex with Margot once because that connection would just be too much after that. I don't know. It's very tough. I can we move on? I don't want to think about it anymore. Yeah, yeah moving on is the outro though. So if you want to move on, that's that's the end of the episode. And I'll, I'll take us there, baby. Um, not keep an eye out for our continued coverage. We are down to the wire here. One episode left, episode 13. Uh, that's gonna be coming to you soon. We are arrogantly confident that we have a little surprise for you guys. So keep an eye out for on uh Benchtown TV. Hopefully we're we're getting a little side project out to you guys sometime soon and as always if you like what you heard give Benchtown tv a follow on twitter and instagram visit us on benchtowntv.com and subscribe to our show on spotify the apple podcast app or wherever else you may find your podcast once again we are Benchtown tv and thanks for listening peaches and plums motherfuckers ho 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 motherfuckers <laughs> you're listening to the geekscape network 